Crystal, your resident wino. <laughs> um, today we have a really exciting topic. I mean, I am excited about it because I love this place. We're going to be talking about Wilmington, North Carolina. Which is incredibly haunted. I didn't even oh, yeah. realize. Dude, I used to live out in North Carolina, um, in Jacksonville, North Carolina. So it was like an hour or so away from Wilmington. And let me tell you, we went there all the time and did all of like the haunted ghost tours and the oh, haunted pub crawls. So delicious. Oh, it was amazing. I had it was like, and I even bought the book, that Ghosts of Old Wilmington by um, John Herchick. Yeah. I think that's how you say his name, but yeah, love that place. We lived in South Carolina and. We just spent all our time going to restaurants that catered to dogs and bars made for dogs. <laughs> <laughs> well, that works. <laughs> yeah, Teddy really loved that. <laughs> um, but there are numerous stories of ghosts uh, from Wilmington, North Carolina. I didn't even <laughs> realize when you brought this topic to me. Do you remember? I was like, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'll. I'll just try North Carolina and see if I can find enough to talk about. Mm-hmm. I There was way more than I even needed to talk about just from Wilmington. <laughs> yeah. And there it's were. really old. Yeah. And there was no shortage of um, fun activities for ghost adventures. And there are ghost tours everywhere and mm-hmm. even family friendly events such as those that they set up around Halloween time for family fun. So there is a lot to do revolving around ghosts in Wilmington. I want to go back there so bad. Like if I go on a plane again, I would go there to visit Wilmington (laughs) and then go to the beach because they have the best beaches and you could find shark teeth like no one's business out there. Wow. On those beaches. And the Carolinas are just beautiful. Yeah. So what do you have for us? What's your what stories did you choose? So I have four spooky locations to share with you. The reported encounters and ghosts that can be found there are sure to raise some hairs. And I kind of expanded on this first one because it is the shortest of these tales, but possibly the creepiest. And that is of Emma Baldwin and her home, where she is said to still reside. Emma and her husband, Dr. Andrew Baldwin, lived on South 4th Street. Dr. Baldwin was a respected dentist. (laughs) I know this story. I know. And that's what that giggles for, because you already know it's coming. I love it. (laughs) 
Emma was respected in her own right. She had strong values and was said to have judged others that she believed to lack such values. Her idea of what was good, right or wrong, fit into societal norms. For example, she very much detested the idea of a couple living together before marriage. The values Emma held were, as she saw it, what made her a sound judge of character. As for Emma's death, it is said she died in her home of natural causes. Those that purchased her home had personal experiences with Emma, such as when an unmarried couple resided there. Emma was not pleased, and she showed her displeasure by breaking objects in the home and making horrifying noises that terrified the couple. You might have heard of Emma Baldwin. Does her name ring a bell? If not, her alias might jingle some change for you. (laughs) (laughs) Emma Baldwin is also known as the Dime Ghost. Supposedly, when in the home, a person will feel as if they're being watched or possibly judged. Emma will leave the person a sign of her endorsement or displeasure of their character. A dime will be left for those she likes, and for those of whom she disapproves, a single human tooth. You know, these days, some people would prefer the tooth. (laughs) I know I would. Uh, not because I'm missing any or anything. I know I'm from Arkansas, but that's all just. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Hmm. What if it's not Emma judging people? It's Emma and her husband and her dime is a way to say hello. And her husband leaves a juice because he's a dentist. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but why a dime? She's like, hey, baby, you're a 10. <laughs> Maybe, but also money was, um, a dime was worth a lot more then than it is now, so. Here, okay, here is where I elaborated on this story a little, because this story got me thinking about how it might feel to live in a home with ghostly Emma. And I want you to, um, if you are not driving, or doing something that you really need to be looking at, I want you to close your eyes. Just do it. Close your eyes. And imagine having friends over. You're having dinner and drinks, laughing and listening to music. Your best friend lifts her glass, making a toast in your honor. The group says, cheers, and together you drink. Your best friend downs her glass making a strange face as she sets her glass down. Something wasn't right about this drink. She never put ice in her red wine, so why was there ice in her mouth? She Mm. takes the ice... Mm. (laughs) She takes the ice out of her mouth and looks at it. But it isn't ice. One by one, guests are looking at your bestie, then at their own glasses. They begin gagging, some even spewing their liquids from their mouths in an effort to rid themselves of what they have just ingested. 
You look down into your cup, questioning what could be the matter. Then you see it, a tooth in the bottom of your glass. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, God helps the people that I haunt when I'm a ghost because I'm going to have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting ideas now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so back to Emma Baldwin's house. We're going on to the next story, but we're going to stay at Emma Baldwin's house only for a moment. I want to take you on a little trip to our next setting, which happens to be directly across the street from Baldwin's house. So wave goodbye to Mr. and Mrs. Baldwin and hop goodbye. into my time machine. We are going back in time about a hundred years before the Baldwins resided here. Welcome to the 1800s. We walk across to the St. James Cemetery. Lots of people catch pictures of orbs at St. James Cemetery. Oh, yeah, you've heard of it. Have you been to yeah. this area? Yeah, uh-huh. Have you been to St. James? Mm-hmm. <gasps> so you've seen the Baldwin house. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> we walk across to the St. James Cemetery. This is where Samuel Jocelyn is buried. He met his end after falling from a horse. So here he lies. And like many people buried in the 1800s, a thread has been tied to him. The thread runs up through the coffin and the dirt. At the end of the thread is a bell. Just in case Samuel isn't quite as dead as he appeared, he can move his body, thereby causing the string to tug on the bell. Those above ground will hear the bell and dig him back up. That's how the bell could be used, but no one above ground is alerted by ringing. So no worries. Except Samuel's best friend is worried. Samuel is said to be a spiritualist, someone who may believe in telepathy. Night after night, Samuel appears in his friend's dreams. But Samuel isn't there for goodbyes. He's there to beg his friend to dig him up. After a short time, his friend can no longer take the torment. He has Samuel's body exhumed. Luckily, Samuel is, in fact, dead. However, the way Samuel's body was now positioned on its stomach and the deep scratch marks on the lid of the coffin show that his dear friend Samuel was not previously deceased. He was buried alive. That is just awful. Yeah. <laughs> if you visit St. James Cemetery today, you might hear the screams and scratching of Samuel Jocelyn. This is another one that I um, saw on the ghost walk. <gasps> oh, so cool. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Like, you're, you're bringing me back, back to my 20s. <laughs> it's because you got in my time machine. <laughs> <laughs> 
So the last story I'll share is about the poplar, poplar, I don't know. What is it poplar or poplar? Um, yes, both. <laughs> I'm not sure. Okay. The last story I'll share is about the poplar grove plantation, a peanut plantation. It was originally owned by the widow Cornelius Harnett. The original plantation house was destroyed in a fire. Then it was rebuilt as a 12-room Greek Revival-style mansion in the 1850s by Joseph Mumford Foy. And Foy is about the only name you really need to remember in that. (laughs) So between 1795 and 1971, five generations of the Foy family lived in the home. Today, the plantation offers paranormal tours to the public, and guests have reported a number of experiences. Some have seen an older woman through the windows of the home, a woman with gray hair wearing a dark dress and glasses. Others randomly smell cigar smoke and hear heavy footsteps. Some even have had their hair pulled or have been scratched or feel as if they can't catch their breath. So let's get to know these spirits a little better. David Foy was the firstborn of the Foy family. As the firstborn, David was expected to be the one to eventually inherit and care for the family's plantation. This was what David's father had wanted, but not David. You might think of David as rebellious, following his own path rather than the path his father had chose for him. During the time when Union and Confederate tensions were high, David's father was strongly loyal to the Union. David, however, held other beliefs. Instead of taking over duties at the plantation, David hired a local man to take charge. Then David left to join the Confederate cavalry. David had dreams of glory, but that was not what was to come. Only three months and five days after joining the Confederate army, David became very ill. He had contracted typhus, a disease caused by bacteria spread by body lice. So he had symptoms like fever, chills, headache, rapid breathing, muscle pain, rash, cough, nausea, vomiting. He would have also had an altered mental status. Because of this, David never saw battle or took part in combat. Instead, he returned home to receive care. But one June evening, David passed away. It is said that David's spirit still roams the halls of the plantation, and he regularly spends time in the home office, where the sounds of his heavy boots can be heard. David had a brother. His name was J.T. J.T.'s wife, Nora Foy, had been pregnant. She gave birth to their child, and within the first days of its life, the baby died. Nora became pregnant again, birthing their second child. This baby, too, died within days. This happened again and again. Four times she had gone through pregnancy, given birth, and then buried her baby. 
The strength this woman had, both physically and mentally, is incredible. After all this that she's already gone through, she still goes on with her life, and she became a postmaster carrying around a small pistol, and she raised her nephew to inherit the plantation. It's said that Nora's spirit can be found in the children's bedroom, and she's said to be a benevolent and protective spirit. So okay. there you have it, the Poplar Grove Plantation. You are up, my dear. <laughs> that one I kind of recall, but I don't really, but I like it. I like, a, you know, the protective ghost. Oh, yes. Um, one of the ghosts that I'm talking about is also a protective ghost, and... Well, she mostly, well, she only protects women. Um, and this is the ghost that I swear I got a picture of whenever I was doing a ghost tour in Wilmington. And we'll add that photo to the Facebook page and then you can just, decide for yourself. <laughs> I was just about to say, where is this photo? <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. I'll send it. I'll even circle where it is and everything and you guys could let me know. So this ghost's name is Gallus Meg. Um, Gallus is a derivative of gallows, um, and she was called that because she was kind of famous for holding up men by their necks. <laughs> they were dangling like, you know, the wood from a gallows. She was a brothel owner in what they called Paradise Alley, and her place was the Blue Post. And of course, because Wilmington is a port city and um, there was tons of pirates coming in and out of Wilmington all the time. Side note, Blackbeard was a real pirate and he came through Wilmington all the time. He wanted to hit up that brothel. Oh, yeah. You know what? A lot of sailors wanted to hit up the brothel. Like they would <laughs> go through Paradise Alley, and which, of course, was named because of all the, you know, women trying to sell their wares, quote unquote. <laughs> But this particular brothel owner loved her girls, okay? And she would not let anything or anybody be mean to them at all. <laughs> and needless to say, people were afraid of her, but, you know, because she would lift them up by their necks. But let me give you a picture of what she looked like, okay? Um, she stood over six feet tall and Whoa. she weighed about 350 pounds she had mammoth arms um they could be described as ham hocks Pre you know pretty much she was a pirate in her heyday so she had the piratey type of sailor arms you know so what you're saying is or, she has, or a sailor she has popeye arms <laughs> yeah she has popeye arms yeah so she was so she, a pirate before i don't i don't want to say she was a pilot pirate she was a sailor that's hardcore still yeah, she was a sailor. And I, I over misspoke. six feet tall. Like, people back yeah. then, average height was much shorter than today. So this mm -hmm. woman was was very tall. Oh, yeah. She was definitely tall. But whenever, you know, one of the men would get a little bit too handsy with the women and they didn't like it, she would pick them up by their necks and take them outside to the alley. And if that wasn't enough, she would bite off their ear with her teeth. And then walk back inside and spit the bloody ear into the pickling jar where a bunch of other ears and fingers and stuff that she removed from men would be put on display. Hopefully to, you know, deter anybody else from <laughs> being mean to the girls. Disgusting, um, but I kind of I kind of like this woman. 
Yeah. <laughs> so these days, um, she's seen in the the Blue Post, which back in the day when it was the Blue Post for her, it was a different building essentially. Um, but it's still close to the existing Blue Post right now. They're kind of they're like neighbors right next to each other. So she can be seen in that Blue Post um, bar, mostly when men try to quote-unquote sneak into the girls bathroom and they report being like accosted or threatened by um a giant woman (laughs) that's what they get i know (laughs) yeah and i absolutely love that one maybe it's because i did i do feel like i got a picture you know oh my god i I can't wait for you guys to see it but yeah, my husband does not see anything. A few people have seen some things, and some people, they see something different, but yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to see this picture. <laughs> All right, so my next story is of the Latimer house. Long story short, this house went through a number of hands within the family. It was, you know, built way way back in the day and when the two original um owners uh was zebulon and elizabeth latimer once they passed on you know they would pass it on to their kids and to their kids and so on and so forth um but let me tell you about this house just real fast it's ten thousand square feet oh is that all ten thousand square feet (laughs) and this was in 1852 okay so it's a four-story home and it's brick with like tan stucco and it's just very um like detailed and intricate of course as homes were back in that day but like 10,000 square feet that's insane you know <laughs> anyway Why? i don't understand the purpose of all that because room. they can <laughs> because they yes. can um, yes well the original couple they did try to have a bunch of kids but of course you know during that time the, a lot of them would die. There was only three surviving sons, and you know one of the sons is the one that inherited. And then after that son died, a nephew inherited it. And then um, you know there's just, like I said, it was passed through the family. And eventually, it was actually um, sold to the Lower Cape Fear Historical Society. Pretty much, it's a living museum now. Hmm. So now you can go in there and see how it was you know, when back in the day, there are some places that you can't go, um, but it's really quite like a- amazing. Um, but anyway, because there were a bunch of deaths that happened in this house um, from the, the children that the original Mrs. Lattimore had to, you know, the people just growing up and dying and passing on um, the house to the next of kin, there's definitely a bunch of ghosts there. Um, one of the first occurrences, well, at least the documented occurrences, took place in um, 1948. And this woman, her name was Mrs. Love, and she was a close friend of the Latimer family. And she was driving past the house one afternoon, and then she noticed um, one of the Latimer family, his name was MP Latimer. He waved at her, and she waved back. <laughs> but then whenever she rounded the corner, she was like, wait a second, he died this past January. So, of course, she was a little bit freaked out because she saw that friend of hers and she, it's impossible. Um, but, you know, more recently, because it is a living museum, there's tons of employees and volunteers who have experiences. One of them I find quite obnoxious, which is probably the children doing <laughs> this one, but they um, steal the 
glasses from people. Like just tons of people, like over 40 years. Okay, over 40 years since this has been a living history museum. Like people's glasses just go missing. Okay, do they like, ever what? find them? No, they never are to be found again. They go missing from purses, from pockets, briefcases, whatever, you know. They're so just gone. One of these days, the museum is just going to find a pile of spectacles. <laughs> Probably. And it will be quite a spectacle. <laughs> <laughs> I just know that because I never went there and I did want to go there. I wanted to go on a tour, but I will not be bringing my glasses because I love my glasses and I don't want to have to get new ones (laughs) i would kind of bring some even if i had to buy fake ones just Mm. to see what happens that's a good idea (laughs) (laughs) um all right later on in the history in like 1981 there was a fire in the home it started in the basement but there wasn't that much damage there was more smoke damage than there was fire damage but because of the smoke damage a bunch of the furniture had to be reupholstered and during that time when contractors were coming in to repair the physical damage and whenever the furniture was removed to repair the like upholstery damage, um, they were hearing they were hearing furniture being moved upstairs and they knew that there was no furniture up there because it was out being reupholstered. So, of course, oh. you know, the contractors, they just did their job and they probably didn't want to talk about it while they were there, but they just heard the furniture moving back and forth and back and forth and that those were the rooms where the children those were the children's rooms up there Um, kids are creepy (laughs) (laughs) Uh, also all of the latimers were very big readers so they had tons and tons and tons of books and in 1988 there was somebody reorganizing one of the bookshelves and they came across a really discreet selection and they found something really, really awesome. They found a book of poetry by Emily Dickinson. And it was, yeah, I know. It was um, a first edition. So, um, of course, this happened they're like. 88? Hmm? 1988? Oh, yeah. 1998. Not 1998? Yeah. yeah, so 1998. Oh, even. Found wow. That even was more recent. Not that long ago. Yeah. 1998, they found a first edition poetry book of M- by Emily Dickinson. Holy and of cow. course, people wanted to try to sell it. <laughs> they were going to sell the book because they needed to raise money anyway. So the staff member placed the book on the chair. And next to the chair, there was a wicker basket that was full of yarn and stuff. So after she had written a bunch of correspondence and was preparing to, you know, contact people about buying this book, um, that wicker basket that had the yarn and stuff in it, she said that it was levitating five feet off of the ground. And of course, you know, she gasped and she jumped to her feet and she was like super duper scared. And um, but obviously one of the Latimers had a very strong attachment to it. So they decided not to sell it. <laughs> yeah. So um, I thought that was kind of funny. I mean, I, also, I'm, just, like, I'm a little quiet because I'm just imagining that happening. Mm-hmm. And holy smokes, that would scare the... Well, I know. I don't know, because it would scare the crap out of me, but then I would also be super pumped and excited. So would I run? Would I stay there and pee my pants? I don't know. I think I would just be like, this didn't happen. Okay. You know, and ignore it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like, okay. 
anyway, move on with my life. I'm going to get a new job. I'm going to get a new <laughs> This is a nope. Goodbye. Yeah. Um, okay, the last um, story I'll tell you about the Latimer house was, I don't know, I don't have the year for this one, but somebody, like a janitor, he was um, vacuuming up the basement in like next to the tea room, and he was backing out. He looked behind him because he was about to back out into the hallway and vacuum the hallway. So he turns back around, grabs the vacuum, walks up the steps. Um, as he was walking backwards, he ran into something super duper hard. And he's like, what? Oh, what was that? And he turned around and he saw a chair in the middle of the hallway. And he knew that that chair wasn't there a second ago because he had looked to make sure the coast was clear before, you know, starting up up the stairs. Um, so he turned back around and to like, you know, situate the vacuum so he could move the chair. But when mm-hmm. he turned back around to move the chair, the chair was gone. It was like 15 feet away, sitting in the middle of the hallway. What? So, yeah. Of course he screamed and he was like, did anybody move this chair? And, you know, it startled the historians that were, that were there. And they started, um, you know, trying to be like, no, what are you talking about? But... Um, but yeah and so I don't know if that janitor decided to uh, stay anymore I don't know if I would Um, pretty much the store is like yeah nobody else is down here and he's like are you are you serious right now wow okay so him going backwards down the stairs vacuuming was he vacuuming the stairs oh no I think he was like walking up them to get to the hallway oh he he just had a vacuum uh, yeah. It made me think of something crazy that happened to me. When I was in college, I was living with my boyfriend at the time, and I was vacuuming on the stairs, and I, I started, I was walking backwards down the stairs as I was vacuuming. I had lost my footing, and I started to fall backwards, and somebody grabbed me and caught me and pushed me gently, but, you know, enough to lift my body, <laughs> pushed me upwards, and I, I felt, I felt the hands on my upper arms, and out of the corner of my eye, as I was falling, I saw one of the hands, as I turned my head, I saw one of the hands. So there was a hand on me. I saw what looked like a white shirt on the person. I turned around to say, thanks, babe, you know, thinking Mm -hmm. it was my boyfriend that had caught me and pushed me back up and I didn't fall. So thank you. I hear him in the living room say, what? What are you talking about? (laughs) So it was not him. It was just the two of us in this townhouse, but um, something stopped me from falling and lifted me up and that was that and i saw oh, nice. it, <laughs> it was yes. very nice of them but that's what that made me think of um i kind of had a feeling that it might have been my great grandma she was like my Aww. best friend but um do you have another story nope that is all i have for tonight there are so many ghosts in wilmington i know we can do an entire podcast just based off of Wilmington ghosts. <laughs> you really could. And <laughs> what gets me is, so the Emma Baldwin story. I searched and searched all over the internet, old records, death records, marriage records, looking for any kind of connection between a an Emma Baldwin, Andrew Baldwin, that was a doctor, 
Emma Baldwin that died in her home on 4th Street. I mean, I, I tried every angle. I looked everywhere. I could not find any actual records to substantiate it. Wow. That do- That doesn't mean that it didn't happen because you know that records <laughs> were not like... Yeah kept especially super well exactly and but if anyone by chance can find anything send them our way because i that story i thought was so cool like a freaking human tooth they're le- <laughs> leaving so <laughs> anything to like substantiate that would just be awesome oh Oh, and the wine I'm drinking tonight, I got because, as always, the label caught my eye. So it's like this <laughs> ghostly woman in white type thing with a veil. Not so much like a wedding dress, but like um an old Southern style, but with a veil. Mm-hmm. And she's holding up the corners of her dress as if, you know, you were prancing around like a little princess or something. But she's very ghostly looking. And underneath her dress, her it's almost like her petticoat is made out of skeletons that are climbing out. Weird. And yeah, yeah, it's very ghostly. So I was like, uh, yeah, it's called Southern Belle. So Ooh. I decided to have this wine in honor of Miss Emma Baldwin. So fitting. I know North Carolina isn't like super deep deep south or anything but she was definitely a busybody like one hmm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very nice well i hope you all enjoyed tonight's episode on wilmington north carolina and as always email us at witchin and whining at gmail.com that's w-i-t-c-h n a n d w i n e in at gmail.com i can't wait to read those stories yes get us your stories <laughs> <laughs> and also check out our facebook there's not a whole lot on there right now but there are some things that we have shared from past episodes including a couple videos that are pretty creepy from my own personal house that freaked me the f out so <laughs> <laughs> check that out um you can post your own conversations or pictures, experiences, what have you. So check out Witchin and Winin on Facebook. Hmm. All right. Cool.